0: we <laughs> Sleeper in the Bus, it's the Sunday edition. I am Paul Spohr, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how are you?
1: Uh, A bit tired of the play-by-play tweets from spring training games on Twitter. It was cool for the first day, but JFC, enough of it. If you are one of those people that watches baseball games through Twitter and lives on these beat writers, play-by-play tweets, please, by God, email me or hit me up on Twitter and say, oh, yes, this is how I follow games. But my God, every little
0: move. I can't imagine there are as anybody that does it. As I as I always say, if I can read your tweets, that means I'm online and I can figure it out for myself. Unless you're passing along injury news or something pertinent, stop. I hate it. I really. And the command
1: has to be coming because they all do it. It's not like it's just the Orioles people who really get on my nerves because they seem to like they all do the same one at the same time. And I don't even follow, they're just in a list. But it's just like somebody must from Ohio say, oh yeah, you've got to do this. Because there, there must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter. Because damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring.
0: It's nuts. It's nuts, and frankly, I can't even deal with it in season when you might think it would be more acceptable. It's not because I'm watching the game, and I just I, I don't need it. It, it. It's not valuable. It's it's really annoying. It's funny you mention how you know it starts off okay, and then you kind of tire of it. I was actually telling my girlfriend that when I was getting psyched about the start of spring training, and I was like, "This is going to wear off in like two days." I'm just geeked to get baseball back on the TV, and now. It basically just sits on the TV on mute. You know, maybe I'll watch the first couple of innings uh, if an intriguing pitcher's going. But, you know, it, I'm I'm already ready for the real thing. I know we're we're at, we're at mid mid March. We still have the rest of this month and a little bit into April. But I can't wait to gear it up.
1: Pirates take the lead on a one out single off Mark Hendrickson in the bottom of the eighth. Huge. A- I didn't even know Mark Henderson was still pitching. So I do take it back. So I did learn something from a tweet. So maybe it's not completely useless, but dear God, make it stop. Let's roll. (laughs) the, the,
0: the, the, The thing is, too, there should be a cutoff because let me tell you how little I care, even more so when you're talking about like the fifth inning. Once you get to a certain inning in a spring training game, it matters even less. Not that I care early, but it's even worse late. It, it, oh. It's 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 bad. It's bad. But anyway, we are beating a bad. dead horse. Let's talk some news. Again, I'm going to reiterate this every time, pretty much, until spring training is over. When we got news, it's usually bad. We're going to start off with some injury news. Drew Smiley. It's looking like he's going to miss at least his first start with the shoulder. How much does this worry you overall? Uh, you know, you, you're you're one of the ones who very very much out there saying don't follow timetables. Be more conservative. Uh, as opposed to going aggressively on these timetables and be prepared to be disappointed by these timetables. So how do you feel about this? Are you bumping him down? Or do you feel like it will be a short injury that you can jump back in with him?
1: I think it actually. this is actually a good thing. I think it takes some helium out of him because Smiley was going overpriced. And I'll t- I'm, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I traded a $6 Colin McHugh for a $4 Drew Smiley about two hours ago.
0: Okay. Say, say that again. How much? I had a, I
1: had a $6 Colin McHugh in year okay. two of a contract, and I traded him straight up for a year two Drew Smiley for $4. I like
0: that. Last yeah, week you know, work. two
1: weeks ago, Drew Smiley's untouchable at that price. Absolutely. Now that he's got shoulder issue, all of a sudden he's movable. And it's not like I, I don't like Colin McHugh. I just really like Drew Smiley. I don't care what uniform he's wearing. I really like Drew Smiley. With the changes he's made in the second half, so I made that deal, and so I'm putting my money where my mouth is.
0: That's a nice deal. I like that. Yeah, you, you couldn't have gotten that before the shoulder injury, and so yeah, I think that's a good buy low. That's sharp. Now you might have another opportunity to buy low on somebody who might have been untouchable uh, as much as a week ago, and that's Zach Wheeler. He's gonna <sighs> get a uh, you know got an MRI on the elbow. Had to fly back to New York, I believe, to get it done. You know this this doesn't look good uh, you know we can make the jumps I think the the overall baseball crowd has kind of gotten used to this to where we don't really try to paint it with rose colored glasses anymore it's in fact we, we, we go more on the negative side right out the gate and say this is probably a precursor to Tommy John but maybe not how do you feel about this are you bumping him down your board bumping him off your board how do you feel about Zach Wheeler with an MRI on his elbow.
1: I already have shares of this guy all over the place. Here's my issue that I don't like about him is the news around him. You know, Sandy Alderson said that Wheeler had an injection last year. Wheeler said, no, I didn't. There was the initial news that said, oh, he's not going to need an MRI. He gets an MRI. He says it's nothing serious. He's only going to miss a start. I'm just waiting for the next shoot to fall or he's going to get an amputation. He's going to be missing his <laughs> right arm. Uh, so and, and he's going to get that bionic arm that UCF is putting out right now. If you look on Twitter, go look up Iron Man at UCF and the bionic arm. It's pretty badass, and I'm pretty proud of my alma mater uh, with that. But I don't what, want them to do that with Zach Wheeler.
0: Well, no, bionic arm, then he can't get hurt. I think we might want that.
1: It would be pretty awesome
0: but it,
1: the news is extremely inconsistent around him he's saying he dealt with blisters and elbow ish soreness last year but then i saw mark Carrick tweet out something that wheeler only pitched fewer than 100 pitches in eight of his starts last year so if he was dealing with elbow soreness and he was throwing that many pitches you know, I if I went into redraft league, I'm knocking down my my uh, my bid by about two bucks on the news. I, I'm bummed because this is a guy that I really really like for NL only leagues um, and even mixed leagues. I took him in the uh, oh, eighth round of, of a uh, three keeper league. I took him in the eighth round, and I'm really high on Zach Wheeler this year, and this kind of bums me out.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. He's one of my breakout picks. Really excited about him. Thought he could take a huge step forward. You've got to be a little bit uh, bearish on things now after this news. Stay tuned, but 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 bump him down until we have any further clarity because there's definitely some enhanced risk, unfortunately, with him. Addison Reed is looking like he's going to adjust his delivery, basically to kind of compensate for the shoulder. That that can't be great. Uh, that That's never usually a great sign when when a guy's gonna just alter his mechanics to kind of compensate But maybe it's better than nothing. I know he's not a hot commodity out there. I actually still kind of like him But under I do understand his flaws How do you interpret this news with Addison Reed? And are you bumping him further down because he's already in the mid tier at best if not toward the back end tier of closers? little bit uh of an issue here they're going to try to get rid of some of the stress by delivering crossbody um try to try to reduce some of that stress on his shoulder do you think it'll work or do you think that we've got an inevitable injury stay coming for mr reed
1: all right, because this is the PG podcast, I'm gonna edit myself a little bit here. What the F took so long for him to do this? I mean, if you know, you know, it doesn't take a mechanical, even a moderate person to understand that crossfire pitching is not good long term for your shoulder. Reed's always been a crossfire guy. Now all of a sudden he's gonna not do crossfire. There's a reason why guys crossfire, it's because of deception and movement. So if you're gonna take away what what has made him moderately successful, this is a problem, and if you've listened to the work that you and Doug have done on, on the 10 pro, uh, prospect, the prospect, the 10 uh, podcast, you know that pitching's all about a kinetic chain. And if you alter one thing, something else has to adjust. So if you're gonna, it's all this is muscle memory and repetition and everything. I, I, I was already iffy on Reed. This makes me even more iffy on him. I, you know, Ziegler, Evan Marshall, I, I'm kind of looking to buy some shares of those guys late now because I don't like when somebody wants to take away something that gives them movement and deception.
0: Yeah, that, it, it's definitely worrisome. And even as I, I consider myself a bit of a read guy, I still only had him 21st uh, on my closer ranking. So it's not like I'm going out there on a limb with him. I just in that back end tier, I still kind of liked him a bit. But this is this is worrisome because like you said, it's going to take away some of his uh, ability and he needs every bit of ability because, you know, right now he's got to work on his command. Maybe it'll help him with this command, which is what he really needs because he lost too many dang homers. So I'm still hoping for the best. But this is this is a bit worrisome. You know, I'm, I might start considering a guy like uh, I actually had Drew Storm below him. I know a lot of people don't. Uh, I would definitely. Bump Drew Storm ahead of him, even with the strikeout differential. Maybe Zach Britton comes into play um, ahead of Reed. So be careful here. And like you said, Evan Marshall is kind of the hot one that's going right now because Ziggler had a little bit of injury issue himself. But both of them probably deserve drafting in deeper leagues. I'd say definitely 15 teamers, but maybe even 12 teamer with a deep bench. If you're speculating for saves, both of them might might be worth the pickup. And then we'll end the news before we jump into the second base preview with some uh, some good news here, or at least some interesting stuff, with Chris Bryant. He is absolutely raking, and you know that you and I don't want to go crazy over spring numbers, but at some point we see this, this utter destruction of the cactus league by bryant and it adds to the questions of can he break camp but then there's the whole service time issue and then we start getting into a george springer situation where maybe there's a grievance because he's so clearly ready and if they're only going to manipulate the service time issue what's going on there so how does this hot spring change your outlook if at all on chris bryant
1: well, there was an article that came out during the uh, the Sloan conference by Dan Rosenheck about maybe spring training stats do matter a little bit, and I think we touched on this a little bit last week, uh, or maybe it was one of the other things that I had done. Uh, but we, we looked at it. He he maintained that we were looking at the wrong place. Uh, you know, we were looking at certain things, and he his work it showed that isolated power could be a predictor of success. And if you're hitting six or seven home runs in spring training halfway through it, your isolated power is obviously going to be strong. And and Chris Bryant went in the late in the ninth round to Rudy Gamble in the Tout Wars uh, draft that you had uh, earlier this week, the OBP draft uh, that week. I would maintain if you guys did that draft this week, this coming weekend with the rest of us in New York City, Bryant is probably going to go two rounds earlier. I I had lunch today with... uh, Mike Rathburn, and we were talking about Bryant. And I said, you know what? I bet you he goes at least $15 in the mixed auction in New York City, and he goes at least $18 in NL. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's a $20 player. And I don't think two weeks ago people are paying those prices, but the way this guy's hitting the snot out of the ball, they're going to.
0: Yeah, he's absolutely destroying it. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the the study from uh, Sloan, but I, I thought that was that was already kind of known that – One of the things that you want to pay attention to was isolated power um, from a guy, maybe strikeout-to-walk ratios. I thought that as far as the studies went about spring training numbers, if you were going to glean anything from them, it was already the power – and speed, and then strike out to walk for pitchers. I, I kind of thought that was already out there, but maybe he went deeper with it because I'd, I'd heard it referenced before, and I was like, that didn't seem new to me. And maybe I just need to look at the study to see if he went deeper than than most went. But I, I'd always, I would. Excuse me. I already thought that the power thing was something that was out there, but uh, you're definitely right about Bryant. The, the price is going to be going through the roof. So if you want him, you better be ready to pay. And if you think he's your guy, then then I say go for it. I, I usually am a little bit cautious on these on youngsters overall, but if he's your guy and you really feel that that he is going to have the breakout, then I. I'm fine going for it because one pick is not going – in most cases, not going to ruin your draft. So, And I don't
1: want to speak – I don't want to speak for you uh, because I know I've been mostly dismissive of spring training stats. You yes. know, I'm, I'm usually looking at frequency of stolen base attempts, like last year with your Detroit Tigers, how Brad Ausmus r- really it did one – a lot, you know, so those kind of things get my attention. Uh, a big jump and strike off Arizona, the ball flies. And Florida, it doesn't for the most part, uh, except uh, now that we're most of these parks are getting towards the, the West Coast where the wind's typically blowing out. I, I made a point, a couple of years ago, Sean Rodriguez hit like nine or 10 spring training home runs. And I'm like, so what? This guy still doesn't hit right-handers. You gotta understand, the wind blows out in a lot of these parks over there on the West Coast. And, and sure enough, I think he hit eight the rest of that season. It, that's really what I'm talking about. I'll give a little more credence to that. And you know, the latest episode of the Fantasy 411 podcast, Mike Ciano and Corey Schwartz got into this article a little bit. Corey gave a backstory that he got to talk to the presenter before the presentation, okay. um, saw the presentation, talked to him again. He really tried to poke a lot of holes in it. Uh, and he said he remained somewhat somewhat skeptical of it but he only had three chances to try to blow it up and he's comfortable with it Joe Sheehan wasn't so there's a go listen to that podcast to talk to hear what they had to say about it but I think you need to pay attention with with Bryant, it obviously is not going to matter. These, these numbers are nuts, the way he's hitting the baseball uh, with it. But I I really don't want any part of this because you're going to have to pay. There's going to be zero, zero profit. I don't care how good this guy's going to be. I don't see a, a chance, a modicum of chance of a profit this year for him.
0: That's the thing. When, when if, you, if he is your guy and you do want to go out and get him, he has to perform or else it is going to be a failed pick. When I say go out and get your guy, if you, if you believe in him th- – th- I, I say that knowing that you have to understand the, the risk. And, and it won't kill your season if he doesn't come through. But you, you do need that, that breakout season. You need him to be one of the few guys that hits the ground running right away uh, to, to actually pan out for you. Won't be on any of my clubs. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, if he did goes you knock- think about him
1: around round eight when you took Zimmerman?
0: I did not. OK, uh, w- way, way ahead of where I was thinking there. Zimmerman was was an actual target. So if Zimmerman goes, I'm not sure exactly what I would do. I'd have to kind of go back to the board. But uh, no, I just I don't usually go for the rookie who's ne- who hasn't done anything yet. I'm fine going for the guy who's only got kind of the one year. You know, I'm big on, on Rendon this year. I'm big on Brantley. But uh, the guy who's never done it, I'm still a little bit skeptical. OK, all right, let's talk some second base here. Let's let's deep dive this position. It's an interesting position this year because when you're talking about strategy, the top tier is pretty thin for me. It's it's really a, a three person tier: Altuve, Rendon, and Cano. Rendon might even be better at third base. So at that point, you're looking at Altuve, Cano, uh, but then the mid tier really thickens up. And, and runs, I don't know, let's see, that's uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about 11 deep, in my opinion. I don't think there's a terrible amount of difference between Kinsler, Gordon, Dozier, Kipnis, Walker, Murphy, Pedroya, Kendrick, Wong, Odor, and Utley. And we'll, we'll deep dive into those when we talk about players. But I think that's a pretty thick tier. And then the bottom tier leaves you some some interesting punting options Alcantara, G- uh, Scooter Gannett. Uh, is it Gannett or Jeanette?
1: I always say Jeanette.
0: Jeanette, I think I think that's what I usually say too. That's we picked him uh, with our with our mixed league team for labor, and then Jed Jerko. I know some people are still heavily bought in on him. Emilio Bonifacio. I mean, there's some interesting uh, people to go after there. But do you have a preferred strategy at this position, whether it's top tier, middle tier, or bottom tier?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of depth at second base this year
0: uh, compared to where things have been in the past. I mean, there really is
1: a lot of depth. I don't have to. You know, reach out and look. When the second baseman that I've drafted, I and the different mocks and everything that I've done, I think the highest ranked one, I think I took a stab at Brian Dozier in the fifth round of a, of a, uh, 12 team mixed 15. I have the fantasy 411 thing. I know Brian Dozier's a guy that I've picked and that's the highest one that I've picked so far. I've, there's leagues where I've had Jason Kipnis as a keeper, but I tend to usually at second base. I tend to go later. I know I, I have a few shares of Daniel Murphy, uh, that type of guy. I do have uh, Ben Zobra's shares somewhere, that kind of thing. But I, I, it's not really by design that I stay out of the, the top thing. It's just most of these things have been uh, drafts. And when I look at something, there's an outfielder or a corner guy that I tend to like better.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're just, I just don't see a need to get in early. If the, if the guy that you want is is there and it's the time to pick him, fine. But I'm not, like, freaking out if Altuve, Cano, and Rendon all go, you know, in that, uh, in that 13 to, f- uh, or, or like that 12 to 15 range at the back end of a first round. Okay, fine. There there are just so many options. Like you said, it is deep in the middle. So I'm okay with that. Uh, And like I said, we'll deep dive more on these guys in a minute. Um, As far as it goes with your middle infield position, given the depth, are you preferring to get pick out of the second base pool again? Or do you feel that there's some options at the shortstop pool that you'd rather get in on?
1: Um, I have been leaning towards the second base side of it, although I think the depth at shortstop is even deeper. You know, if you, when you factor in the last year of Hanley Ramirez, you know, I, I can do a bit of scrolling on the yeah. shortstop list that, that I really can't do at second base. But I think there's some more intriguing, especially if you're speculating on some, on somebody late. Uh, if you're looking at something late there, it depends on where your speculation is. Are you going to speculate on a speed guy? Are you going to speculate on a power guy? It really, that's what's kind of dictating it. I mean, like a, a late, a super late round speculation. It's really tough for me to overlook a guy like Didi Gregorius at, at middle infield because of the short porch in uh, the exactly. Stadium. That's a good, t- a tough guy to overlook if you're looking for speed. You know, somebody like Micah Johnson, who's leading the uh, Arizona Fall League in, in batting average right now, uh, and has got a track record of some some success in the minor leagues that was skewed a bit last year by a hamstring injury. You know, that's somebody that I've, I'm starting to see creep up a little bit into those kind of things. Uh yeah, and even uh, Marcus Simeon's having a good spring. Uh, DJ LeMayhew, people are trying to – I've seen that kind of pop up lately in a few yeah. uh, trade offers that people have been asking me about. Uh, I, I know a friend of mine uh, – a friend of ours, Seth, was telling me he was trying to pull a deal in an NL Only League and a guy was insisting on DJ LeMayhew and the deal to complete it. I'm like, Jesus, is that the status that DJ LeMayhew's in now? So, oh, well, yeah.
0: I mean – Josh Butlich got overrated by being in Colorado, so that's what Colorado can do. The interesting thing about second base is that you can't really get, there aren't many category stackers. Like, there's no, obviously, there's not a lot of power at the position, so you're not really getting anybody to hit you 25 bombs. But outside of Altuve, Gordon, and, and maybe Bonifacio, there, there aren't any super steel guys either. I mean, there, there's those two at the top. They're both going to go early, Altuve, mm-hmm. first, second rounder. Gordon, usually not lasting beyond the fourth round. And then maybe Bonifacio, but again, you mentioned Micah Johnson. Bonifacio could be in some playing time issue. I mean, he's going to play because he can move around everywhere, so I'm not really – that Worried about it, but uh, Micah Johnson actually could end up being the, the the speed asset there But let's deep dive into some specific players here. Let's talk about that upper tier to start Altuve Rendon or cano as the number one. Who do you have?
1: Um, well with the recent injury news with Rendon, I'm gonna switch to Altuve if all three were healthy I would actually uh, go with Rendon.
0: I 1000% agree no need to expound too much further I um, Let's actually talk a little bit about that MCL sprain, though, for Rendon. You mentioned that it does bump him down behind Altuve now. How much does it hurt him overall, though? Are you still taking him in the second round?
1: Uh, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I think he now becomes somebody. He's he's out of my top 20, but he's still in my top 25. Okay. I'm just concerned the stolen bases are going to take a bit of a hit. Exactly. uh, Especially early, and we've talked about – Guys, if they're not 100% down low, it's going to hurt their power numbers a little bit. So this is a guy that I think has 2020 upside, but this injury is is really I'm going to say I'm going to take a very strong under on him going 2020 this year.
0: Yeah, I I I absolutely love the guy. I'm just a huge fan. But now I'm looking at 20 and 10 really as 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 because the speed was already a little bit of uh potential to disappear because of somebody who's had injury history like him that you knew if something cropped up all of a sudden you could be looking at some potential slowdown for the speed so would love for him to go out, though, and I think he can still hit upwards of 290. I mean, he hit 287 last year, so that's not even a jump. But he can be a 300-plus hitter. And so if he's hitting 300, still has the pop and scoring and driving in a bunch of runs, he's still fine even if he doesn't run. But there's a lot of allure in that potential 2020. Uh, speaking of speed and and Mr. Altuve, uh, actually, how much of his average and stolen base awesomeness from last year can he legitimately hold because i know that we're all saying there's going to be some regression but i haven't heard anybody put too many firm numbers on it how much is he really going to regress in your estimation i
1: mean obviously the stolen bases last year were a lot about opportunity and he was on first base a ton last year and that's what really helps him his batted ball skills are some of the best in baseball we've seen that we've seen him swing at pitches at his eye level and put those in play (laughs) and be able to run those out it's scary and sick uh, along those lines I would. I don't see him. Uh, don't see him stealing fifty again this year. I think at the position, I think D Gordon's the only guy I can comfortably say could steal fifty. But Altuve's got a shot of breaking uh, breaking forty this year. But I'm going to put him somewhere uh, between thirty eight and forty two.
0: Even if he dips all the way back to his twenty twelve twenty thirteen numbers when he was hitting, you know, two eighty five with thirty five stolen bases, that's like your floor. That, that that's the interesting thing about him. And I know he doesn't have much pop. But for those that are afraid of him because of last year, I'm not getting it because I don't see a collapse like that. That's the thing with him. I don't really obviously outside of injury. But what, what what's even the point of saying that? Because that's the case for everybody. But if he's playing and he's healthy, I don't see much. You know, so you're getting a twenty five dollar player almost guaranteed. Uh, So I do like that about him. Yeah, the 56 will be tough because he's not going to hit 341 again um, and have a 377 on base. But it's hard not to like a lot of what he does. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Cano. He is aging. The power did dip. And it wasn't necessarily because of the home park because I think he hit more at home than on the road. But the home park certainly didn't help. 14 homers last year after 33 and 27 the two years before, a bunch of 20s before that. Is the power going to come back at 32? And I don't mean all the way back up to those high 20s, low 30s levels, because I don't think that's possible at all. But are we even going to see him break 20?
1: Um, I'm going to say no on the breaking 20, but I'm not very confident in that. I think he's still going to finish in top five in home runs at the position. Okay. But I'm going to take a slight under on the 20.
0: Yeah, that, that's where I am. I, I just I, – I feel like – and it's easy for that to be wrong because I'm going to say like, oh, I feel 18. So, OK, great. Two gusts of wind and and I'm wrong. So, like you said, not a hard commit to the 20, but definitely a hard commit to under 25. Like I don't see mid-20s power coming back. If, if he is going to top that 20, I really think it would be like 21 – 22, maybe, but he's still going to be a batting average beast. That team is pretty solid. I, I like that some of the moves that they've done. I think the runs scored and driven in will be fine. And we'll see about that speed because the 10 stolen bases were pretty interesting last year, considering he'd stolen 10 combined the two years before. So if those disappear and kind of go back to that five to seven range, He's really going to need to score a bunch or drive in a bunch to, to maintain his elite value. He's still going to be good, though. I think the high floor is enough for me to take him relatively early, but he's not a first-rounder for me.
1: Well, he's hit, he's hit over 300 for four straight seasons. Yeah, That's really tough to do these days, this day and age. He's hit 33 home runs. In, you know, we look at 14 last year in Seattle. You, know, you look at what projections. If you look at the composite projections, everybody has them for about 18, 19 home runs. So that's combined 33. That's what he hit in New York in 2012. And when you look at the client and everything else, really the batting average to me is key. Again, when we're talking about a guy last year, it was uh, you know 63, 63 points above the league average for batting average. It's really tough to find an everyday player that's hit over 300 for four straight seasons.
0: Uh, I got him for six straight seasons.
1: I'm just okay. looking at the last four. I'm just looking at data oh, okay. as has the last four. So well, even yeah, better.
0: Plus, um, it, it's been, I think, I think isolating that three to four year window when when the offense is really drained it right. makes it more impressive anyway so yeah it does go back I think six years but the fact that he's been doing it in this in this era still is really impressive because maybe a 314 doesn't sound awesome to you but it is it absolutely is and you've been beating that drum nicely too like I, on a guy like Dozier I think you said that his 242 is kind of like a 270 from a few years back so we really have to, is
1: a new 300 man I need to make a t-shirt up like that maybe baseball can add that to their t-shirt see, in the inventory
0: we got we got to be focused on that Speaking of Dozier it was an incidental segue I won't even take full credit for it. how real uh, is the 2020 that we saw from him last year with regards to I mean just basically uh, do, you, do you see it again? Yeah, I
1: absolutely do. I think I think he can. I mean the power's definitely there. He does come in spurts. He's not the most consistent guy. But he I mean he can run. He's his stolen base total has gone up each of the past three seasons. 9 nine fourteen to twenty one. So he he gets the opportunities to run. And I, I very much think he's another twenty twenty guy. In fact, he's about the only guy that I think has a I think he's got the best shot of being a twenty twenty guy at the position.
0: I completely agree, especially with Rendon getting hurt and this next guy I just I have a hard time believing it. Kipnis has an injury excuse for last year, but are you going to buy back in on Jason Kipnis?
1: Uh, well, I did keep him in the league. I did have the option of keeping somebody else, and I did keep him. Just uh, When I looked at it, because he was like a ninth, I think it was a ninth-round keeper for me, so there he was a no-brainer. Yeah, that, that that's uh, an
0: easy keep at, at that price.
1: You think last year he was going in the top 40 in drafts, no, I don't I want nothing in the top 40. I don't want anything in the top 60. I'm barely sniffing the top I, top 75 my interest is peaked.
0: Okay, that's fair. I mean, I need I need a good price. So it's going to take a league where we're all kind of out on him. And that's usually not been the case. The leagues I've been in so far, there's always been at least one believer, if not multiples, cuz he's still a guy who's drawing the ah, oh, dang it's when when he gets picked. And For me, it's just like wow, man. You you just haven't shown me enough yet Um, We haven't even seen the 20 homer power yet. I mean he's got 14 and 17, but the steals have been there 31 30 And then just 22 last year, but you know, he only played 129 games So that that's why they were down. I like the speed and I like that club because if he is healthy I think he could have a huge year, but that's just such a huge if that I don't buy it so for me Probably not going to be on any clubs.
1: Well, he went 27 in AL labor to to Ambrosius and Childs, and that's crazy. And I love those guys; they're awesome players. But that is crazy talk for Jason Kipnis.
0: That's a full. That's a full bet. Like I mean, that 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 goes back to the Chris Bryant thing. Now he has to do it. Kipnis has to have that full season, and even in his I mean, that's good almost It's cra-
1: almost crazier than a thirty-three dollars Jacoby Ellsbury, right? Almost. I mean, at least Ellsbury. Sorry, sorry,
0: Rick and Glenn. Almost. I mean. Listen, they did not appreciate the trash talk that, uh, <laughs> that they the said one player,
1: the one player that we that we highlighted. They Everything were, else there too. I think we were really complimentary. Were dis- of.
0: I was like, I thought I, I thought I was pretty complimentary. But they <laughs> listed, and that's cool. Exactly. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say last thing about. Oh, the fact that with Kipnis too is that even in his good seasons, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, they weren't even full seasons. He's been like. A good for a half or good for really really good for two months to kind of sustain and so that's what I worry about for him let's talk about some uh upside guys who's the better 15 homer 30 stone base breakout potential now granted this would be the high end so we're not betting on this you know confidently but we're saying who's got a better chance of having that big breakout Colton Wong or Rugnet Odor
1: uh, you know Odor, and I think both guys are being drafted at full value as well. Maybe even Wong a little higher. Definitely. I think odor has been a little a little overlooked. That's something else that Rathburn and I were talking about over lunch today. But I, Wong, I remember looking at the price uh, for him. And thinking, uh, wow, yeah, that was a bit. Wong went for $25 to Laura Michaels. Yep. That's auction dynamics a bit because if people recall, Lauren was one of the – I think was the last guy with high money on the he table. He had the
0: cash, and that's one of his guys. So you could yeah. probably back about $4 f- four or $5 off of that. That was just him saying, I've got the money to get my guy. So don't use that as a gu- as a gauge for your NL only because you probably won't have to pay that unless the dynamics work Similarly which you know every auction is pretty much completely different and O'Dor went for
1: 16
0: See and that uh, didn't you know get him. Yes, he did. Yeah, I, I like that I'm actually gonna pick Wong though I, I I think Wong has the better chance to have that huge breakout Although I don't know that it will necessarily come with the 15 and 30 that that I used as kind of the, the Starting point for this discussion what I really could see from him is maybe similar to what we saw last year the 12 and I think it was 12 and 20 that he had but I could see the batting average shooting up. This guy was a, a, a great hitter coming up, uh, both with Hawaii uh, in college and then coming up through the minors. So I could see maybe another 12-20 and 20 season, but with a 290 average. And that would so be he can a great hit hit breakout. Um, no, I think uh, – what does Roster Resource have Hayward up there? And then Wong too maybe?
1: As long as he's in the top three. As I've, as I've said, I really love Matt Adams this year if he's got those OBP monsters in front of him. Um that's where they want to – when I look at Wong, the only chance he's going to earn over $20, he's got to hit high in that lineup.
0: Yeah, because then those those runs uh, – okay, so no. Now, actually, roster resource does not. I forgot Matt Carpenter. They got Carpenter-Hayward 1-2, and they got Wong down at 7. So that does – I think we have actually had this discussion r- with regards to Wong specifically that if he does bat down there, that is dangerous.
1: Yeah, he can't earn 20 bucks down the 7 hole.
0: It, it will be much tougher, but I'm I'm betting. I think he's got the some batting average upside that I really like. Even though he only is only hitting one for fourteen in spring training, I'm I'm, I'm undaunted by that. So uh, there you go. For those of you who are desperate for us to disagree, we just disagreed on something. There uh, it is. Put it on the scoreboard. <laughs> yes, it's it's so rare. Are you <laughs> buying the Neil Walker power surge? Twenty-three homers last year, and you know always kind of a teens guy, but that twenty-three paired nicely with, uh, you know, we gave him kind of that big breakout 2020 20 plus dollar season. Do You think that's legit from the 29 year old or just kind of a, a spike year?
1: I think the power is legit for him. I think it's something that, that can be repeatable. I, I can see another 20 home run season out of him. You saw the growth coming over the last couple of years and now that we're looking at somebody, he's in his power prime years. I'm not talking about a specific year. I'm talking about his power prime year. Yep. He's sitting right in the middle of his power prime years. I think 20 is definitely repeatable.
0: Yeah. Uh, see, I thought we were going to have another disagreement because I thought you were going to go no on that, but I actually fully agree. I'm a big Neil Walker fan. I uh, didn't have an exorbitant Home run to fly ball ratio is 14% last year. It was a career high, but he's always been at kind of that league average mark uh, of 10%, and he has an 11% on his ledger, too. So maintaining 14% is not crazy, and he didn't have to greatly adjust his batted ball profile. So I think there's a real chance here uh, for him to, to kind of stabilize and. Go into those power years, like you said. As his guys plate skills older, are
1: strong. Man. his plate, his walk rate and his strikeout rate, pretty much the same. Great. Nothing's changed. So he's got power without sacrificing, and that's that's you know that's the holy trinity almost. You're looking exactly. for guys that can gain power without having to give it up. We talked we've talked about Marlon Byrd, you know, foregoing Felling any out. kind of contact, and, and even Messeraco last year. And that's when you worry about okay, is there a step back from that power? This guy's gaining power and not giving it up anywhere else.
0: Brandon Belt, similar too, who who who, yeah we saw him sell out for it. Although it could be interesting to see if his skills could all consolidate, he could be a superstar. Uh, But you know, we talk about batting order with Wong. Walker's going to be batting fourth. With Harrison, Polanco, and McCutcheon ahead of him and Marte behind him, Marte and Alvarez, who I also like, he could also score a boatload of runs as well as driving in a ton. So this could be a huge year for him. If he could play the full – that's the one thing, though. Injuries have been an issue. He only has one uh, one season over 140 games. Uh, it right. was one 159 back in 2011. But we saw that he put up a full season of numbers in 137 last year. But if he could get back up in that 150 range – Dang, man, I think he could put up 25 with like 90-90 in the run scored and driven in. I think this I think this offense could be really sharp. And he's usually a good hitter too, like 270s. And that's like a, a 340 these days. Okay, maybe not that high. Maybe not that high. But <laughs> uh, it, 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 it is pretty good. So Neil Walker, we're very pro on. Now, Jason, I want to talk about a couple guys here that in name value are drastically different. But in actual statistics, they really aren't. What is the difference between. Oh, I almost went sign for that. What's the difference between. What's the du- difference? <laughs> what's the deal with Dustin Pedroia and Daniel Murphy being 44 picks apart? Uh, <laughs> over the last three years, here's Dustin Pedroia's numbers. These are smashed together, not an average. 290, 31 homers, 244 runs, 202 RBIs, 43 stone bases. Daniel Murphy, 288 average, so two points to Pedroia. 28 homers, so three homers to Pedroya, 233 runs, just 11 runs to Pedroia, 200 uh, RBIs, just two RBIs to Pedroya, and 46 stolen bases, three stolen bases in favor of Murphy. That all shakes like that. That is, there's no real difference there. I know I said Pedroya four different times, but those were marginal differences. Why are they 44 picks apart?
1: Because one plays for the Red Sox and one does not. Think, well, Even if you look at the Steamer projections, the only the only decent edge that Pedroia has over Murphy is runs. 83 runs to 67. Everything else is with – I need one hand to count the difference in, in their production. That's it. And so I love the fact that you brought that pair up because that, that when I said earlier that I have several shares of Daniel Murphy, that's why. Because he
0: keeps getting overlooked. Criminally underrated for several years now and I know he said some things this offseason that are going to make people more angry But you know what that doesn't factor in on fantasy I don't have to agree with his off-the-field beliefs to want him his on-the-field production And I just I'm not seeing the difference here and I think Pedroia is a couple years older, too so that 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 only furthers uh my my desire to just wait and maybe scoop up Murphy, and then I got another guy who isn 't too far off who 's going another handful of picks later, and it 's uh, Howie Kendricks, who 's going twenty six picks after Murphy now every he, year he's he 's a good bit down from them in some of these categories two ninety two average so he 's actually leading but then twenty eight homers so tied with Murphy. Uh, Buck 97 on the runs, Buck 96 on the ribbies. That's where the real difference comes in and then 34 stolen bases. But that's in 170 fewer plate appearances too uh, because he can have some injuries at times. But everything else is pretty much there, and you're talking, what's that then going to be? 70 picks after Pedroia, 26 picks after Murphy. If you don't get Pedroia, definitely wait. Don't even don't even touch Pedroia. Wait. And then wait, wait for Murphy. Then if you miss him, I think Kendrick is a more than adequate consolation prize out of those three. He
1: Kendrick's always your safety net. And did. We end up with him or did we talk about him? And I think Murphy was still there. And we said, well, let's wait. And I think somebody took Kendrick in front of us.
0: Yes. And so we ended up with with uh, Murphy. Jeanette. No, oh, Jeanette. That's right. Yeah, we 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 had had get Murphy snake last on Murphy. Year. We that's Murphy. what it was. OK. Murphy last year because he just wouldn't go. And, and the same exact thing is happening this year, even though he continues to go out and just put up numbers. And it's the funny it, thing.
1: You go to Daniel Murphy's Fangraphs player page, his first two articles, Daniel Murphy, underwhelming or underappreciated? Late under-appreciated. October. Underappreciated. <laughs> Early early August. Do we still underrate Daniel Murphy? So it's yes, like, we here do. Here we
0: are six months later. And
1: yes, we do.
0: I mean, the 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 fantasy community is just not having it with this guy, and you can't even blame the off the field thing because that that just happened, and he's been underrated now for three years. It, it it's crazy. That that is a guy that you can actually get some value out of because folks just don't like him for some reason.
1: And where did this? Is before we move on from him, let's see. Murphy went four. $18 to Steve Moyer in okay. NL, and Pedroia went for 22 to Ray Flowers' nail.
0: See, I mean a 4 dollar difference, and I know AL NL is going to be different, but I just I don't see it. Uh, I I just don't see it. There was a just a two-round difference between them in in labor mixed, so that that's good. I could look up. Uh, I, I, I I'm not going to do tout mixed because OBP is different, and I do think that. Uh, Pedroia gains a bit of an edge there. He's he's a much better walker. So Comparing those two in that format would would probably not uh, be as as favorable for Murphy because there is actual difference there Yeah, all right Let's dive deeper into the pool here and start talking about some guys who we can maybe see coming up of these late potential risers Who's your favorite between Brett Laurie? Jed Jericho Arismondi Alcantra, and our boy scooter Jeanette
1: Uh. I think Jeanette, just because he, you know, the strong side of the platoon, he's on that side. Even then, there's not that many lefties in the NL Central. Uh, That's something that's an article that I have going up on RotoWire. I guess it's going up tomorrow morning now uh, because it didn't show up today. But I looked at the number of left-handed starting pitchers projected by Roster Resource. There are 38 left-handed starting pitchers currently projected to be on opening day rosters. 23 of them in the national league, and I'm sorry, only 15 in the national league, and a lot of them are in the NL West. So, you're looking at unbalanced scheduling, it's not too bad in the NL Central, it's really bad in the AL West. There are 11 projected uh, left handed starters in the so AL West. Who, who does that hurt? Did you Matt did Joyce, you, Robinson okay. Cano, you know, the guys that have a, I looked at in the article, I showed a, a difference of um. I did uh, the baseball reference play index, looking at splits and see whose batting average is the, the biggest gap between their overall and their their lefty on lefty. Cano's on that list. Joyce is on that list. Uh, those were two names that really came to mind. And NL West, Brandon Belt, obviously those types of things. But conversely, the East hardly has any. And so you, you're worried about it. Worried about anybody in the NL or AL East? Maybe even helps Ryan Howard a bit because there's only four left-handed starters in the division, and one of them is his teammate.
0: That's a great. Uh, great idea for a post like w- very well done i love that because we do have these platoon guys and platoons are so much more prevalent now it's good to see where our guys could actually get hurt or or benefit and it's nice i like that we have our guy obviously he's going to face lefty relievers and and you know that that can That's a given Pull him out late in the game. Yep. But that's all right. I still think that he's young enough that Milwaukee will give him some shots I don't think Luis Sardinas is Automatically gonna come into the game when the lefty reliever comes now when there's a lefty on the mound to start Probably gonna be a, a day off for Jeanette, but I don't think every time a lefty reliever comes in He's gonna be pulled by the way. We also got Alcantara uh, in that draft So we've got so, we've got some up-and-comers for me. I'm still gonna I'm, I'm still firmly on the Brett Laurie train so I'm gonna go ahead and 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 drive that one There's not a ton in the stats that make you feel confident because you know, he hasn't played a ton um, but he is just 25 and I believe the pedigree I really do I think this is this is a high quality player who can do some good things on both the hitting and the speed side although I don't think the speed's going to be a ton because for a guy who's been nicked up as much as he is I don't know that oakland's going to want him to be running wild so you might be looking at more of the 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 nine to eleven stolen bases, but I think there's 20 homer power in this bat. And I'm gonna be really interested to see what he can do in Oakland. I know Oakland's a much worse park than Toronto But for whatever reason Toronto's or Oakland seems to get the best out of these guys out of guys mm-hmm. And I just think that there's a good chance for for Lowry to finally come around for us All right, let's, let's go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was gonna ask you your thoughts on the two that we didn't pick Jed Jerko, Eris Alcantara Jerko, I know people are still really high on him. I believe Nando Defino still is obsessed with him He was last year I, I I don't know. I don't I don't know if I see it. What, what do you think about Jerko? Obviously that lineup's gonna be better so that, that should help and I know he was nicked up last year But he had the 23 homers the year before he's a strikeout guy So the average is not really gonna be there uh, Not an obscene strikeout guy, but he he, he kind of sells out for the power I, I'm I don't know do we buy back in on 2020 20 homers coming back or is this just kind of a whatever guy
1: given the the uh... Durf, I guess that's the right word. Given the dearth of power, I'm buying back in on Jerko, but not to the level people were at. Not to the Nando Defino level. Well, yeah, on, on that, Jerko, but that's an insane like level, that. anyhow. Sorry, Nando. Uh, but no, I, 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 I'm confident that he's going to be in the upper teens home runs.
0: Okay, and I, I, I mean, I can see that. You know, like he, he, already showed that he can, he can hit for power in that park. So that's not even a concern. And even last year, in a in a busted, busted up season, he still hit ten. So, you know, if you, if you extrapolate that out, it's still like a 15 homer season if he, if he had played a full year. So that, that part I can get, I just, I wonder if there's going to be anything else with it because if that lineup isn't that good, then the, the runs and RBI, I mean, at least he's not expensive unless you're in a league with Nando. Um, he shouldn't be that expensive. He went 12th round in our, in our labor mixed but he went ahead of Kendrick, and I wouldn't take him ahead of Kendrick, personally.
1: He went 17 to Colton, the Wolfman, in the uh, AL Labor Draft. So maybe there is a second guy we can cr- uh, critique. But then again, again, power. I can see you, you have to, you've you got to pay for your power. There's not too many second basemen that we can look at and say, yeah, he's got a good chance at 20. I would say that Jerko was in that handful of people that can, that has a good chance.
0: Yeah, even though I don't love him uh, overall, I don't hate that purchase. Because uh, he was pretty close to that, that cost back right. in 2013. And so, yeah, if they're betting on a rebound, I'm okay with that. Um, like you said, you're not going to get a ton of power from there. And, by the way, I should have mentioned him earlier because I was saying there, are, there aren't going to be category studs at, at the position. He could be the po- power category stud. So, okay, I'm I'm a little more sold on him. If, if, if Colton and Wolfman are buying him and, and you're buying back in, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm well, I mean, in the National League, the he totally. very
1: well could—he very well could lead the National League second baseman at home runs. I think there's a pretty good chance of that happening.
0: Absolutely, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. I, I've been turned. Uh, let's talk about some crusty vets and and let me know which one you like best. I, I think I already know, but we'll do the exercise anyway. Aaron Hill or Brandon Phillips? I think Aaron
1: Hill. I mean, Brandon yes. Phillips, the legs are gone. Totally. And I'm so bad the I love are gone. Brandon. They Phillips. ain't coming back. They ain't coming back. Uh, And I I think Hill's still got – he's got the uh, – I'll I'll take Hill. I'm not crazy about either of them, but I'll take Hill over Phillips.
0: Yeah, I mean – Uh, This was something that I I'd I'd read and I guess it's not that true though as I look well, maybe it is Uh, I'd read something, you know Hills never had two bad seasons in a row and even though he does have a pair of 77 WRC plus seasons in a row One of them came with 26 homers um, Back in in 2010. So I guess from a fantasy standpoint that probably wasn't too bad But uh, you know, he was a a dud last year when I loved him and he just kind of labored through the season uh, after showing some really good things in just 87 games in 2013. Love that 2012, the 26 homers and 14 stolen bases. But I don't know if Aaron Hill is going to get back to that. But I think he could be uh, 15 homers with a 280. And then we'll see on the speed. He's 33. So I'm not, I'm not going to bet anything on that. I I would take him as much as I like Brandon Phillips because he just seems, I mean, he was a great player for a a while. uh, Awesome defender and just seems like a pretty cool dude. None of that's going to help me on fantasy because uh, his defense doesn't count, nor does his personality count. So none of that's going to help me. After hitting 18 homers exactly for four years, he dips down to eight last year. It was a disaster of a season. But like you said, legs are gone. He is now 7-4. 13 the last two years in stolen bases that's that's Mm -hmm. not he's toast he's done so all right uh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here give me
1: two more yeah two more quick guys I mentioned Marcus Simeon earlier he qualifies at second base also third base um we've mentioned Martin Prado and how we both like him still qualifies at second base in leagues uh those are really two guys that I look I'm looking at late I still keep seeing fall and I'm like I'll take I'll take either one of them
0: Simeon, uh, definitely. The only reason I didn't – oh, he is only – okay. I thought he had shortstop eligibility or else I would have put him on. He's second and third, so I should have included mm-hmm. him on here. Shortstop, he'll probably get in season. Um, and then we'll close it out. Favorite nondescript youngster, Joe Panic or the aforementioned DJ LeMayhew?
1: LeMayhew well, because anything could happen in Colorado. There's That's so fair. much grass there, man. So I, much grass.
0: I think Joe Panic. – I'm talking can- about
1: the playing surface. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of playing surface for him to hit there.
0: I think panic could hit t- <laughs> that's funny I like that I finally got that I think panic could hit 280 but it'd be empty as hell so uh that, that's it that's gonna wrap it up for second base if you have any questions you can tweet us at spore at jason collette two l's two t's and e at the end please rate and review the podcast on itunes we always appreciate that um until then jason we will talk in a week how's that sound well,
1: well, well next sunday i'm gonna be in new york for tout wars um, so no Might sunday show
0: but we'll record
1: monday night we'll record monday
0: monday so we will talk in in eight days then all right then yes. i'll let you get going and we will talk then all right man all right bye